coming here even for a long time. You know that that's a way of communicating prayer requests to us because we do meet on Wednesday nights now. And uh, we spent some time in prayer before. It was Tuesday nights, and now we can mind from Wednesday. And I want to encourage you, if you have a need, we want to know about it so that we can pray for you. So that maybe we can continue to raise that need up before the Lord and believe with you that God is going to move. We've had a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of prayer requests answered. And we've seen God working. And we want to continue that. And we want to continue to make Wednesday night a time where we come together for prayer and worship. And uh, maybe even anointing with oil for those that are sick. And just be, begin to lay hands and pray over them now that we can do that again. Uh, we want to be able to pray over you. So uh, we want to encourage you to come out on Wednesday nights if you're able to come out to that night. Because we're spending a lot of time hearing about what God is doing in our church. But also praying for the needs of our church. And I believe that we're going to see the answers to that prayer. As we continue to be spirit led in that moment. And allow God to work through us and in us. Amen. Now, have you all seen that commercial? It's a Lowe's hardware commercial that shows this proud do-it-yourselfer installing a new ceiling fan, and uh, he, he puts that ceiling fan up, up in the living room, the family's living room, and after, he proudly gives the fan just a slight twirl, one last little turn, and steps down from his ladder. Then he steps aside and turns on the switch to this fan. As he turns it on, he stands with his hands on his hips, satisfied with his brilliant money-saving work that he's done. And with the first rotation of that fan, the central motor sparks, and the entire fan crashes to the floor, crushing the small table beneath it. You see this one? The scene cuts away to the outside of the house, looking out this clear bay window, and of course, it's nice and peaceful out there. Beautiful lawn, everything's going on there. All of a sudden, the quiet goes away outside as the span is thrown through the window and out to the front yard, disrupting that peaceful moment. And the words flash on the screen, need help. An online version of this ad includes this from Lowe's. It says, installation can be tricky. Come to Lowe's. We've got the tips and tools you need to get the job done right. Do you ever feel like you're one step away from disaster or breakthrough? As this person is putting up that fan, it could either be a disaster or it could be a breakthrough. It's going to save him all kinds of money. They have this beautiful fan up there. He's going to do it on his own. On the other hand, if he doesn't do it right, it can be a disaster. One step away. The reality is the things that we face every day could go either way. Become disastrous, so it could be a breakthrough. And that one step away, that one step becomes a barrier between us and what we want to see. A barrier that can take us down, or a barrier that can bring us further or spring us to breakthrough in our lives. And this is what we see in the book of Ruth today, because she is so close to breakthrough. We've been learning all kinds of things about what God has done in her, her commitment level, and all the things up to this point. But now today, we're going to read about this twist to the plot. She had a plan. She went in with a plan, but that plan had to be changed. So Ruth followed this plan. She did everything that Naomi said to do. She prepared for her bridegroom in the same way that the church, the bride, should be preparing for our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a pure, spotless bride, his church. He's coming back for his church. 
So Ruth follows Naomi's instructions. She's done all the things that we've been talking about for weeks now. She's washed herself, which is representing for us repentance and forgiveness. She's anointed herself, which is represented by being filled with God's Holy Spirit. She's changed her clothes, which she casts off the uniform of the world, and now she's clothed in the robe of righteousness, and that's what we're clothed in, the robe of righteousness. And then last week we talked about surrendering to the Lord of the heart. She surrendered her life. She laid at his feet as a sign of surrender to his will, to his plan for her. And this is where we surrender our lives to God's plan for us. We have all felt the sting of feeling as if we've done everything right. We followed the instructions. We did, we did exactly what we sensed God telling us to do. But things did not turn out the way so here we have Ruth. She did her part. She heard Naomi's instructions. So now we listen to the kinsman redeemer. What's his part? What's his role in all this? And how does he respond to this plan? Ruth chapter 3, verses 7 to 10. It says, After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of rain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. You have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. So, of course, put yourself here in Boaz's place. What's the first thing Boaz does? Like any of us would do. He said, who are you? Remember, it was complete darkness. It was dark. He didn't know who this was at first. It's a little scary, I'm sure, to have somebody laying at your feet after determining who was at his feet and why she was there, this is what he did next. He accepted her. He accepted her. You see, Boaz could have refused to have anything more to do with this Moabite woman. But he accepted her. He received her. But he could have said, you know, sure, I mean, I pity her. Her situation is not great. I understand that. He wasn't heartless, but maybe he was thinking that that was as far as that relationship was going to go. Besides, she'd probably be better out marrying a younger man. There are plenty of men out there that would probably be married. But no, he accepted her offer, and he accepted her, just as she was, Moabite background and all. And like any of us, she was not perfect, and neither was he. But he accepted her as she was. He pronounced blessing on her, and then called her, my daughter. And this is a clear indication that he has accepted her as his own by marriage, as part of the family by marriage. You know that we are accepted in the very same way. No matter what our past or our backgrounds, though we were sinners, we have gone through the process of preparation and we've surrendered our lives to him, and now we sit at his feet and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And we live lives fully surrendered to him. He accepts us. Or to him, just as I am. He accepts us just as we are. Just as we are. We 
We don't have to clean ourselves up or make ourselves better before we come before His throne. He accepts us. He loves us despite our past. The Bible says that He died for us even while we were sinners. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. says, He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But listen to this next verse. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You see, you have been accepted. We have all been accepted, not because of the work that we do, but because of the work that is being done in us through Christ. Because of the rebirth, because of Him shaping and changing us, we are accepted as we are. We come before Him with our sin, and we are covered in His robe of righteousness, and our sin is no longer seen. That's the work that Christ has done in you. That's the worst that Christ is going to be. Because you believed him and accepted him. That's what I said. Because you believed him and accepted him, now you're being called his children, his daughter, his son. And he speaks blessing over us. Just like Boaz spoke blessing over Ruth. Some of you need to hear this word today. Because it's a lot easier for us to believe this for other people than for ourselves. But today, you are accepted. Today, you are loved. And today, God speaks his blessing over you as his child. Though you may make many mistakes along the way, his forgiveness and his grace continue to carry us through. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've done before, Here's where things go, begin to go off plan for Ruth. How many times do you hate people out there that hate when things do not go as planned? <laughs> Don't be afraid to hate it. <laughs> confession time. You just got to deal with it. So here we get a little bit of an audible for Ruth in Ruth chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. This is Boaz speaking back to Ruth now. He says, Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. There's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. I think this is where you would hear the breaks if this was a TV show. Wait, what? Another man? What? You're supposed to be the one. No, it's another man. That is closer to you as your kinsman redeemer than I am. Verse 13, stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. Let's go back to that one step away analogy. Ruth is one step away from either total disaster. Or breakthrough. Or at a minimum, there's going to be a drastic change in the plan based on this new information that just came in. If you're familiar with football, it was an audible called at the line of scrimmage. When they saw the defense, the plan had to change a little bit. 
when I, went, when I was in high school basketball, there were some teams that ran fan-to-man defenses and some that ran zone, and sometimes they switched it up on us, and you had to change your offense based on what they did. So you changed your offense depending on if they played through man-to-man or zone. So there was this change all of a sudden in the plan that all of a sudden another person was involved. I'm guessing this was maybe yet another test of her resolve, another test of her faith. This was not the plan. Anybody ever relate to that in life? <laughs> Something you planned, you said, no, this was not the plan. This is not how it was supposed to be. Anybody who's a parent out there, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure every one of us can raise our hand and say, this was not what I thought was going to be. This is not what I had planned for my family. There are moments like that. All the time. But first he accepted her as is. And then he assured her. So what did he say? Don't worry, be happy. Some versions read don't worry. Others read don't fear. And still others read fear not. Don't worry, don't fear, fear not. In other words, Boaz is telling Ruth, breathe easy. I will do whatever is necessary to help you one way or the other. Whether it's me or whether it's the nearer kinsman redeemer, we're going to make sure that you get the help that you need. Everyone in town knows that Ruth is virtuous. In other words, there is no evil intent. She is not a gold digger. She's not just looking to marry for money. Boaz gives his assurance that he will take care of it. So here we have Ruth again, one step away. One step away. One step away from breakthrough. How many of us are one step away from that breakthrough? How many of us had the plans that didn't quite work out the way that we thought they would? Over one step away. Did Ruth just give up here? Did she throw her hands in the air and walk out and say, well, forget it now. It's all done. That's not my plan. It didn't work out like I thought it would. No. She had submitted already. She had submitted to the Lord of the harvest. Some of you may be one step away from your breakthrough. And you're getting ready to go. You're getting ready to stop. This morning, don't stop. You may be one step away from what God is trying to do in your life and what God is going to do for you. Don't stop now. Take the next step and the next step and the next step and continue moving forward. Throughout Scripture, we see the words fear not or do not fear or some version of that. All throughout Scripture, this is not in one place or two places or even ten places. All throughout Scripture, we see the words fear not or do not fear. It was spoken to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and King Jehoshaphat and Ezekiel and Daniel and Joseph and Zacharias and Mary and the shepherds and Paul and John. We see it over and over again throughout Scripture. And these spiritual giants heard the same words, fear not. Do not fear. And why would they hear those words? Because every one of those spiritual giants throughout Scripture feared. It was not easy. 
So they had to be told, fear not, don't fear. Now I haven't checked all these references myself, but a simple Google search says that the words do not fear appear in scripture 365 times. 365 times. Now usually if you read scripture and you see it in a few places, you think, wow, that's pretty important. But when you read it 365 times, that means this is a message for every one of us. Not just the apostles and the prophets and the super apostles that we just lined up, all these men of faith. We all need to hear, do not fear. We all need to hear, fear not. 365, that's one, do not fear for every day of the year. The opposite of fear is faith. Another word for faith is trust. Do not fear, but have faith. Do not fear, but trust the Lord of the hearts. When you submit your life to God, part of the thing that you're submitting is your control, your plan, the way that you wanted it to happen. And we don't have to live in fear because we know that God will do what is necessary to help us in our distress. Just like Boaz said, I will do whatever it takes to help you in your distress. And there may be twists and turns along the way. And yes, there may be a few disasters along the way. But we don't need to worry or live in fear. There's one do not fear for every day of the year. Maybe every morning if you just woke up, thinking through your day and say, do not fear. It says, do not fear. assurance doesn't come from our circumstances. Our assurance doesn't come from our feelings. Our assurance comes from his word. See, like Ruth was depending on the word of Boaz. Boaz said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. We trust the word of the Lord. We trust the word of God. And there's this hymn, you've probably heard it, How Firm a Foundation. How firm a foundation he sank to the Lord is laid for your faith. In his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said? See, this is his word. This is what we trust when our feelings don't line up. This is what we trust when circumstances do not look like we want them to. We go back to his word and his promises, and once again he says, Fear not. 365 times. During the Boxer Rebellion, when there were workers in the China Inland Mission that were experiencing great suffering, the founder of the China Inland Mission, his name is James Hudson Taylor, by this time he was late in his 70s, and he said this to his colleagues regarding the suffering that these missionaries were undertaking in China. He said, I cannot read, I cannot think. I cannot even pray, but I can trust. I cannot read, I cannot think, I can't even pray, but I can trust. We don't live in fear. We trust his word. We trust his promises. He will see us through. When you're one step away from disaster and breakthrough, 
circumstance goes, I'm going to place my trust in you. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you See, I could have just will continue his work until it finally is finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. By now I could have done it ten times. This tells us a couple of things. One is that God is working in us and we're not a completed project. It tells us that none of us have arrived None of us are there. We're continuing to grow and stretch in our faith. And he is doing that work in us. And he will continue his work until the finished day when Jesus Christ returns. So that means we're not going to be finished until he returns. You're one step away from your breakthrough. Know that you're accepted and loved. Know that God has assured us that he will see us through this process in our lives to the very end. We do not have to live like worry. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. This is where we place our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. This morning, maybe some of you who are struggling with anxiety, struggling with trust, struggling because plans did not go as you had not go the way that you wanted it to go. This morning is the perfect time to say, Lord, I'm letting go. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I'm going to do what I can do, but at the end of the day, I'm going to trust you with my circumstances. I'm going to trust you no matter how I feel, no matter what it looks like, no matter what I see. Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. That's what living there's no turning back like this. It's simply to say, I don't know what it all looks like. I don't know the end game, but Lord, I trust that you're doing the work in me, that you're going to see it through to the end. Today is the day to rest in God's acceptance of his love for you. To not lose fear and to be assured that he will work everything for the good for those of you who love God and are called to his purposes. You can live in no turning back kind of faith you know that you are excited about it, and then you don't have to do it. This morning, there is a bow. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Or maybe you need to re surrender your life. And you're here in this room, you're watching online. It's speaking right to your heart today. There may be things going on in your life that you have not fully surrendered to your struggle. You're battling these things right now because it's because it's when it's You can first of all be sure of your salvation right now. Maybe you're already sure of that. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you need to give your life to the first time. There's another time that you may come. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. This morning, you can take a step today. Ask Jesus Christ to be a part of your life. Or to rededicate your life to Him this morning. To take away that fear, the anxiety, the worry that has been building up in your life. All it takes is a simple prayer. You say this prayer within your heart. Not loud if you want to. Lord, I need your forgiveness in my life. 
surrender to you. I am no longer in control of my life. Help me give up my control to you. Thank you for loving me and giving me life on the cross. I believe in God, I'm responsible for my sins, and I believe in those of you who give me my sins. Today I give you my life. It didn't. Make me mine. And fill me with the things I can't propose this. I'm encouraging you to take some next steps in your faith and give you the Is of Jesus and because of the kind of world is discussed. I'm encouraging you to download and have all these questions on the And do a search and you'll see if you're going to want to. Go through that signature. And we will help you see the next steps in your life. If you're local, I encourage you to come out on Sunday at 10 a.m. If you're far away, find a church that's nearby. You can walk, get plugged in. Because you need that to grow, continue to grow in your faith. And as the congregation is standing this morning, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. This morning I tell you to go knowing you are accepted and loved, and you are called a daughter or son of Christ. God. But with assurance that he who began a good work in you will see it through to the very end, will see it through to completion. Go and trust the word of the Lord in your life. You are one step away from your breakthrough. Amen. Amen. I want you to have a great Sunday.